Should I save that? <laughs> um, as we uh, prepare to hear the message this morning, we're going to um, just pray uh, that God would prepare our hearts. Um, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would just pour your spirit on us this morning. Help us to hear your voice and help us to um, just receive your word in our hearts. In Christ's name, amen. So uh, this is the third week in our uh, Reset Button series. Um, and, and where we started with this was, was a couple weeks ago. We talked about this idea that, that when we encounter God, we get a, and, 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 and become followers of Jesus, we sort of get a reset, right? We go from being people who have sin and you know have guilt before God to being people who are pure and clean and, and new, right? Like like we talked about being born again at that point. Um, last week we talked about trying to make the sin part of us match the clean inside part. Everybody with me? You know, because it's it, it might be the case that my soul is clean, but if I got if I got bad habits, if I got sin, if I got stuff that I do. It's, it's a matter of making a match, and that's an everyday effort. It's, it's, it's an everyday effort. Um, if you weren't here and want to hear them, they're on, uh, online actually. There should be a note in the bulletin as to where, where to find them. Um, this week we're going to talk about applying this to family. Um, and, and let me get a show of hands. How many of you guys have hit a point at any time in the last, you know, 10, 20 years where you've said, man, I really wish I could hit the brakes and start over? <laughs> um, or you looked at your family and thought, oh my gosh, <laughs> what did I do? Um, I had, uh, I, I had a few months ago, I, 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 we were at the Bitz's house and, and Abby was along and she's down in the nursery now so I can talk about her. Oh no. <laughs> um, Abby was along and she needed a, a change in. And, and this is the cleaned up version. Um, and, and I, I took her into the bathroom and I put her down on her changing pad. And I don't know what happened. I know that her hands and her feet were involved. And, and there was, there was a lot of flinging. <laughs> and, and it was one of those moments where you're in somebody else's bathroom and the carpet's got it and the, I think the walls and the floor and the baby is like covered in it and it's on me and I'm thinking, you know, I, I really wish I could rewind about ten minutes here and make Jess do this, <laughs> um, um, or or just you know, you know what I'm talking about, or or those moments where you you uh, actually another happy thing where you're up at two in the morning because the baby's got a fever and screaming and won't sleep and you're thinking, oh my gosh, or is teething and won't sleep. I uh, we had the advantage of of um, Jess fed the baby for the first year and so I never had to get out of bed you know, at night, but when we cleared that hurdle and, and I was able to feed her, I was able to take care of her, you know, that three in the morning moment where you think, why did we have this thing? You know? <laughs> I mean, am I the only one who's experienced this? <laughs> um, or or I, I talked a few weeks ago about, about this point in my marriage where, where I had kind of messed up everything and I, I uh, um, had kind of fallen into a number of really sinful patterns, and, and there's sort of this stopping point where I was like, okay, well, I wish I could take this back, and I wish I could take this back and make other people not mad at me, and everybody else, you know, you know what I'm talking about? That reset button moment in life. And and these get harder as we go, okay? So the reset button for my soul is is about committing to follow Christ, right? The reset button for my behavior is about, is about discipleship. Um, when it comes to family, this is much tougher. Um, and, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit the pause button right there and we're gonna come back around to this topic, okay? 
Um, there, there are two football teams in Montana, as best I can tell. Only two, right? <laughs> what, what are they? What are they? The Grizzlies and the what? <laughs> and the Bobcats. Now, I've heard an awful lot about this topic. And, and I want to know, so who is a Grizzlies fan? <laughs> and who's a Bobcats fan? <laughs> and who doesn't care? <laughs> um, all right, so I'm guessing, I'm guessing if you're a Grizzlies fan, you actually have a t-shirt, unlike the Bobcats fans. Um, <laughs> but you got it for two bucks at Kmart, so <laughs> it was, um, and, and you, you have your shirt in, in Indiana, they have this thing called tailgating. It's like a, it's like a ritual, like a religious ritual where you go to the football game and you don't even go in because you can't get tickets to see Notre Dame. Um, and you, you sit in the parking lot and listen to the game from a distance and you drink a whole lot and you barbecue in a parking lot because it's more comfortable than your house, I guess. I don't know. Um, and, and, and it's this, it's this moment, right? Like this, this ritual that we have. And, and how many of you guys have done this, the tailgate thing? For your team, for the Grizzlies or the, the, the Alley Cats or whatever they are. Um, I'm the guy who doesn't care. I'm just messing with all of you. <laughs> That's the best part about not caring. Um, and, and so, so at that moment, um, how many of you guys have ever said, we lost? Come on, Bobcat. No. <laughs> how many of you ever said, we won? How many of you guys were actually out on the field? No one? <laughs> but but we live in this world where we sort of assume this, right? Like if I go out and I watch I watch the the you know the football team, the Grizzlies play, I might have a t-shirt, right? I might grill, I might have a bumper sticker, I might paint my face and chest, right? Larry. Um, <laughs> I might do these things, but but fact of the matter is that, that what I'm doing is watching. Right? Like, they're losing and they're winning and I'm hanging out and watching it, right? We may be a collective and we may all love each other, but at the end of the day, I'm not the guy out there um, in the summer running pass patterns, right? I'm not the guy out there in the weight room every week, right? That's not me. Um, and fact of the matter is that, that there's very little I can do to make my team do better, right? I mean, it, it's a fairly limited sphere. I can wear my t-shirt, but at the end of the day, my t-shirt ain't going to make I'm going to hold the joke back. All right. <laughs> Ain't going to make one team or the other, you know, do better or worse. Because I am a, or you people, I'm not. You people are your fans, right? Um, um, when we observe, when we enjoy, when we're enthusiastic, we're fans, right? And this spreads to other stuff. We've got, got um, you know, actors or actresses that we love, right? We've got book series that we love. <laughs> we've got we've got these things that we may you know really really invest in and really make it a part of who we are, but but at the end of the day, like as much as I might love Lord of the Rings, I didn't go to Mordor, right? I, that was just for you. Um, <laughs> as much as I may love um, you know the Aliens movies, I, I'm I'm not in them, right? I didn't help write them. I probably will never be on a spaceship. Like that stuff ain't happening, right? Like like. As much as we might enjoy something, we have a degree of distance if we're fans, right? Um, this is the anti-fan sermon, okay? Um, what Christ calls us to do is different. And we're going to be starting out in... Um, ooh, wow, look at that. Actually, let's pause here a second. As, 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 well, no, I'll come back to it. Mark chapter 12. 
So we're in Mark chapter 12. We're going to start in 28. Jesus is teaching one day, and one of the scribes came and heard them arguing, and recognized that he had answered them well, and asked him, what commandment is foremost of all? Now, this is a pretty big question. And it's a big question that loses some social context because we're like thousands of years later, right? Jewish rabbis, teachers, would gather up and they would spend huge amounts of time arguing about nothing. Not nothing. They would argue about these laws. And they would argue about the minutia of it. And is it going to tick God off if I do this? Or is it okay if I follow this rule? Or, you know, and, and um, at this point, they had taken the Ten Commandments, right? There are ten of them. You guys are vaguely aware of these things. Um, there are these Ten Commandments, and they sat down and they, they said, well, don't work on Sabbath. Well, does that mean this? Does that mean this? And they, they added rules to make sure that you knew exactly what you were or weren't supposed to do. And there were 613 rules, right? We're going to make it more complicated. 10 to 613. And, and so then the teachers would gather up and they would say things like, well, which ones are we supposed to follow? You know, which is the most important? And, and so when he approaches Jesus and he asks this question, he's asking him something that's kind of a hot debate topic, right? Like, this is, this is a big deal in that part of the world. And people really spent time discussing it. And, and you would have different groups who would say different things. Like, if you were um, a Sadducee, right? Like, the Sadducees believed that the ceremony, like sacrifices and cleanliness rituals, and these things were the most important. And Pharisees, it might be cleanliness rituals or certain behavior patterns are the most important. And, and so you had all these different people who had different opinions. And, and like Hillel was a rabbi, a Jewish rabbi, like one of the greatest teachers in Jewish history. And, and he said, you know, they asked him, well, what are you supposed to do? What's the most important law? And he says, if you hate something, don't do it to other people. Fair enough. Right? That's the whole of the law, all of the Torah. That's it. Don't do stuff you hate to other people. It's kind of a negative perspective, right? And so this guy asked him, what's the most important commandment? What am I supposed to be doing here? And Jesus responds, um, the foremost is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. The Lord our God is one Lord. And you shall love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and with all your mind and with all your strength. Um, so, so he starts out with two things, actually. The first one is called the Shema. I, I pronounced that wrong, I'm sure. Ask John later. Um, the Shema was the most important religious statement for the Jewish people. You know, the Lord God is one. There is only one God, right? Um, and it doesn't really sound like a command. It's more of a statement of fact, right? Um, but there's a command buried here. The first command is, God is completely unique. And he's special, he's one of a kind, there is nothing else out there to choose from, right? I mean, there are folks that turn things into gods, right? Like we worship our money, right? Um, we worship, uh, we worship our families sometimes, we worship um, the internet. I mean, as much time as I spend with my cell phone, I'm pretty sure I might worship that, at least a little bit. Am I the only one? Um, we might worship our sports teams. We might, I mean, there are these things that we worship. And it starts out with Jesus saying, listen, first and foremost, you need to recognize, right? You need to recognize God is unique and he's special and he holds a special place in the world. If you fail in that, everything else is going to fall apart, right? God's got to take the number one slot, period. Um, after that, he says, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. Um, this is 
sort of the opposite of what other folks would say. They would say, don't do this, don't do that. For Jesus, where he says, like he starts, he says, listen, first, recognize God's uniqueness. Second, um, he needs to be the number one, right? Let's put this in like sort of an earthly perspective. I love my wife. When we got married, we have this contract between us, right? Like this marriage covenant. And our agreement is, I love her and I don't love anyone else, right? If I start dating someone else, that's going to be a violation of that, right? God sort of expects that level of exclusivity, right? Even if I say, well, I'm not going to date anyone else, I'm just going to look at pictures of other people. I'm breaking the rule. Everybody with me? Right, honey, would that be breaking the rule? (laughs) There's an emphatic nod back there. (laughs) No smart comment this time. (laughs) Um, If I start doing these things, I'm breaking that agreement, right? God has to hold this number one slot. Now, if I say... Honey, I really love you, but I'm not going to talk to you anymore. Do I really love her that much? Not really. I used to, at Basher, you would talk to these gang kids, right? And and they would say, I love my parents so much I would die for her. My mom, it was always my mom. I love my mom so much I would die for her. You know, I love her that much. And I would say, does your mom like that you sell drugs? Well, no. Does your mom like that you're locked up? No. Uh, does your mom like that you're in a gang? No. And you don't care that she hates all of this stuff and you're going to live your life however you want. But you really love her. Right? Because love is more than just feelings. Love is lifestyle. Love is living a certain way. If I love my wife, I treat her a certain way. If I love my wife, I spend time with her. I provide for her. We eat meals together, right? We might raise a daughter together. Um, or at least she'll do the work and I'll hang out. Um <laughs> There are things that come along with loving someone. So if the first commandment is love God with all your mind, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, this is a different level of commitment from simply acknowledging, yes, God is there, right? It's a different level of commitment from wearing a t-shirt. It's a different level of commitment from owning several Bibles, maybe, right? Jess is smiling at me because she heard me talk about this yesterday. Um... It's a different level of commitment across the board. It's a level of commitment that says, this is the most important thing. Right? Um, It's the difference between being the guy who turns on the TV on Sunday afternoon to watch the Grizzlies lose, um, or being the guy who shows up and works out and does pep talks and does these things. Right? Like, it's the difference between being on the field and being a watcher of things. Loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength means put it into action, right? This needs to be central to who you are. It needs to be like what you are. This is where Jesus starts. He says, okay, first commandment, recognize God as unique, love him above all else. Everybody with me still? Nobody wants to yell at me yet, right? To kind of put this in perspective, it's the difference between being egocentric, which is the world revolves around me, right? And being Christocentric is the word, meaning the world revolves around Jesus, right? Like if, if I look at the throne of my heart, like the center of my life, and I ask, what's at the center of my life? If I'm at the center of my life, that's a problem. If my honey is at the center of my life, that's a problem. My job, right? Getting my way, um, money in general, the grizzlies, the wildcats, you know, Bobcats? Are you kidding? (laughs) I'm going to get stoned after service. 
People are going to throw rocks at me. I don't even know what the team colors are. I'd make a joke about that. Um, <laughs> but, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and so if we look at the center of our lives and we ask, what's at the center of it, right? This, this is Christocentric versus egocentric. Is it all about me or is it all about Jesus? Um, the next thing that Jesus adds is, the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So the first and most important, recognize God as unique, love him above all else, and live your life like you mean it, right? And the second is, love your neighbor as yourself. Why is this important? Well, where's Hannah? I was hoping you'd be up here so I could... Like, if I were to punch Hannah in the face later, it's my recurring theme because she's going to complain about it for the next month. So, like, I, I hit Hannah on the way out of service. I just, I just say, you know what? And I punch her, okay? Where's Brooke? Are we cool, Brooke? Are you sure I didn't hit you? It don't matter, right? Why? Just the thought of it, Mike. Words later. You know where your apron? Um, <laughs> Um, he is going to beat me up later. (laughs) No, but, but fact of the matter is if I wrong his, if I wrong his daughter, do you love your daughter? Do you love your daughter an awful lot? If people mistreat your daughter, are they mistreating you? Oh, so now to put this in a different perspective, if the neighbor who won't stop being a jerk Right? Everybody knows that guy, right? For Montana, it's easier because they live 10 miles away. But, um, but, but that guy you know who's a, who's a jerk, right? God loves him. He does. God loves him so much he sent his son to die for him. So if I'm not cool with that guy, am I cool with God? Ooh, I'm not, am I? If I can't figure out how to love my wife, even though sometimes she is really difficult. Just sometimes. Am I right with God? If I can't be right with my daughter, even though sometimes she throws mess all over the bits' bathroom, am I right with God? Now, I'm going to jump back a couple steps here. In our... Stop. (laughs) What's going on? I can't slide back. Can you jump back two slides for me? Um, in our, in our culture, we have adapted, adopted a different stance when it comes to things that we don't like, right? If I don't like something, like if I get tired of my wife, I'm going to leave her, right? And I'm going to go find someone else. I'm going to, oh my gosh, what happened to myself? There it is. I'm going to run off or I'm going to quit, right? Like we have this attitude that if I don't like it, I can quit and I can do something else, right? Um, and God will be okay with it. I know a lot of Christian folks who say, I'm just not going to deal with this anymore. I quit, and God's okay with it. But fact of the matter is, if I can't make right with the people around me, if I can't love the people around me, am I still okay with God? It becomes a problem really quick, right? Am I watching and being a fan, or am I walking the walk and talking the talk and living the life? Um, Or other ways that we do it sometimes... Um, sometimes we hide from the people that we care. Like, like sometimes we hide. Like, I had developed the habit of that. There was a long time in my marriage where I would hide at work, right? I would go to work, and that was how I got away from Jess, right? 
or I would come home and I'd have, I'd have a couple strong drinks and it would make me forget how miserable life was, right? And I would hide from those things instead of dealing with them. And I, I wasn't walking the walk, I was going in a different direction. Or we love them and we're nice to them and we just gripe about them all the time. Anybody do this? <laughs> oh, I love her, but let me tell you about why everything she ever did was wrong. Right? Um, at the end of the day, these are things that separate us from being the guy wearing the, wearing the t-shirt in the parking lot and the guy out on the field living the life. If I'm going to be a believer, if I'm going to walk a certain way, I've got to walk a certain way. If I'm going to be somebody who's a big fan of Jesus, then this stuff's all right. Um, sometimes we torture each other. Married people torture each other all the time, right? Can I get an amen? <laughs> we spend years and years just messing with each other. Or you know what she said to me, so you know what I'm going to say back because I know that's her button, Right? Am I the only one who's ever done that? <laughs> Not anymore. I'm a perfect husband now. <laughs> um, <laughs> sometimes we torture each other. But again, at the end of the day, if I'm torturing my wife instead of dealing with her, am I right with God? No. Um, because like, like, in order to actually have this stuff work, it's got to be... Sometimes we ignore... I'm sorry. Let me finish my list here. Sometimes we ignore each other. There are married people who live in the same house and don't talk to each other, right? And they'll do their 60 years figuring it's a little like prison and, and we're roommates and this is it. Or we got, you know, kids who just say, well, you know what? I don't really like my parents anymore. I'm just not going to deal with them. Easy enough, right? Or, you know, I'm going to move away and I'm never, there it goes. <laughs> I'm going to move away. I'm never going to talk to you again and that'll be it, Right? This is the antithesis of what Jesus is talking about here. If I love my wife, even if she ticks me off, i got to love her, right? Because it's the difference between training and just being a fan. Um, Mark twelve thirty two. the scribe said to him, Right, teacher, he agrees, um, you have truly stated that he is one and there is no one else beside him and to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love one's neighbor as himself is much more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now, this guy takes an obvious stance. He's a scribe. His job is to memorize the law and write about it, right? And he says, hey, you know what? You're right. Ethical rules are more important than ritual, right? What does this mean? How does this apply here? There are certain things that we take on as ritual that just aren't as important as people, right? Um, if we bring in folks who are unbelievers, people who are new to like knowing God, we're going to make a mess here. I've said it before, I'm saying it again, right? It's the reality. If we bring in 50 or 60 Teenagers and small children every week, they may break holes in the walls. Or leave stains on the carpet. Where's Jennifer? Um, or, she's not even here, I can't pick on her. Um, Mark. Um, they, they, they may, they may say things that we're uncomfortable with, right? Um, the fact of the matter is that the building and the pleasantness and these things are not as important as people. Right? Because there were folks in this era, right, who would say the sacrifices are more important than people. Burnt offerings are more important than people. Washing your hands before you eat, which was a rule, is more important than people. Um, when Jesus would heal people on the Sabbath and they'd be like, You're working on the Sabbath, jerk, and he's like, Really? I healed someone. <laughs> Miracle, did you not see it? 
These are folks who miss the point. The point of the law is for us to love each other, right? It's guidelines for us loving and interacting with each other. The whole point of everything is love God, love each other. Does this mean ignore things that are wrong? No, right? Because if, I don't know, if my brother were a heroin addict, he's not, he's a banker, it's much worse. Um, <laughs> if, if my brother, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't think he listens to the sermons online. It's okay. Um, if, if my brother were a drug addict and I never did anything to try and help him and I just, you know what, Pete, I love you just the way you are. Is that really love? No. If Abby, and she does this, we're like, uh, like Jess, one of the most difficult things she's ever done ever was teach Abby how to start emptying the dishwasher entirely too early. So you're taking the dishes out and she wants to help put the dishes away, but she'll get into that little silverware tray and what's the first thing she grabs? The sharpest knife in the bowl, in the package, right? Like she, yeah, you know, and the first thing I do is, yoink, right? You can't have that knife, no matter what your mom says. Um, <laughs> and then what does she do? She screams. She doesn't just cry. She screams. Crying would be an understatement. Sometimes she throws herself down and kicks and, and, and lets the world know that I'm the worst dad ever. If I love my daughter, I'll let her have whatever she wants, right? No. Sometimes love means being hard. If I watch my brother, if I watch my sister living in sin and I shut up about it because I don't want to make them uncomfortable and I know they're going to face God eventually... I'm the worst person in the whole world, <laughs> aren't I? Like, if I can look and say, well, you know, you know, repent, like Jesus will save you, and I don't, that's wrong. It's not love. Love is going the distance for folks. Love is doing the hard things. It's the training. It's the effort. It's the lifestyle. It's not watching and saying, this is awesome, Right? When Jesus saw that he had answered intelligently, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one would venture to ask him any more questions. Meaning he, like, this exchange was so impressive, nobody wanted to, you know, all right, we're done. Because a lot of the guys were trying to trap him, right? And this guy comes along, asks honest question. Jesus shoots back, gives the best answer possible, and everybody's like, okay, he's out of our league. It's time to shut up, Right? Um, and Jesus, the other thing he says here is, you're not far from the kingdom of God. What's he saying? He's saying your heart is in the right place, right? You recognize that people and God are more important than the trappings. How you dress, you know, these things are not as important as knowing God, loving God, loving our neighbors. Um, how does this play out? Well, first and foremost, we have to change our perspective, right? How do I reset my family? The beginning of it is recognizing that my family are people that God loves, right? No matter how much I don't like them, no matter how much of a mess they make, no matter how much heartache they happen to bring into my life, I need to stop and I need to recognize God loves these people and I need to love them too. God loves Hannah, even though she messes with me. I need to love Hannah too. God loves my wife, even though sometimes she makes life difficult. I gotta love her too. Like, this is the beginning step. How do we reset our families? We change our perspective first, right? Because if I hang out and look at you and think you're a jerk, can I possibly act right toward you? <laughs> Eventually it's going to slip out, ain't it? It's easier to do right by somebody you care about. 
First perspective, first thing, change your perspective. Second thing, change your lifestyle, change how you live. Why? Because it's really hard to change other people's behavior, but you can change yourself anytime you want, right? Um, and if my wife is used to me responding angry when she insults me, not that that ever happens, um, and I stop and I respond loving, what's going to happen? It's going to change, right? If we change, other people are forced to adjust around us. And it might mean that we're miserable for a while and people treat us wrong. And that's okay because it's what the Bible says we're supposed to do, right? You look at what Paul says to wives of unbelieving husbands. And he says, be a wife properly. Be a wife properly all the time. Don't walk away from them. Do what you're supposed to do. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, um, your behavior is his redemption. You can change him. Um, Jesus said it a different way. He said, if somebody does wrong by you and you do right by him, it's a little like dumping, heaping coal, like burning coals on their head, right? Somebody mistreats me and I do right by him. Like, it should sear their conscience. So the second, or, yeah, second step is change how we behave toward other folks. Love them actively and on purpose. Everybody with me? Everybody awake? Um, you have to let go of the past. This one's miserable, isn't it? How many of you guys have a big old pile of angry that you keep in a box that you dig out? Well, <laughs> that you you dig out on a regular basis, and you say, "It's important that I remember this stuff." Or when you go to bed at night and you close your eyes and you replay those conversations or that behavior or whatever you know what I'm talking about, we got to let it go. And sometimes it'll take years to do it. Sometimes we got to pray with folks. Sometimes we got to confess it to people. Sometimes we got to like engage in spiritual disciplines. But we got to figure out how to let go of the past. Um, a lot of times, this is the hardest thing for married couples to do, right? Because they've been together forever and ever, and they've treated each other so crummy for so long, and it sort of hit this point where they're like, oh, "I just can't let go of this." You know, we're just done. No, I won't let go. Is the beginning, right? Um, and so letting go of the past. And this is directly commanded, right? This is uh, Matthew 6, I think, um, where Jesus says, listen, if you show up to church and you're about to give your offering and you remember that you've got a problem with your brother, don't give your offering. Go fix your situation. It's a really powerful thing when the Bible says, don't give the church money if you're fighting with someone. That's something. <laughs> this is how important it is. It's more important to God that we're right with each other than we give and I don't eat if you don't give. Like, but I would say it's true. You need to be right with the people around you. Period. It's the beginning of all like, like this loving the people around us. And the last one is prayer. If you're not praying for folks that tick you off, you're missing the most powerful thing you got. If you're not praying for somebody who is doing something dumb, how many of you guys know somebody that you care about that's been doing something dumb for a while and you think, oh my gosh, it's a disaster and it's coming and they won't stop? Or, I am really unhappy with how you are living right now. Prayer is it. Why? Well, because maybe God changes things. Maybe if I can't change something, God can. These are my practical steps, right? And it's amazing. They all come back to just the one thing. Live the lifestyle. You want to fix your family? Live the lifestyle. You want to fix your relationship with your spouse? Live the lifestyle. Follow Jesus. Be obedient. You want to fix your relationship with your kids? 
Be obedient to Christ. Follow the lifestyle. Change your heart. Pray. These are the things that affect the world around us. Um, next week will be the last week we're going to talk about this, and we're going to talk about hitting the reset button on the world. How do we affect change in the whole world, which is huge, and it's hard. Um, and I'll tell you, if you can't do these things, right, nothing else is going to happen. They're like building blocks, right? Abby's got these little blocks. If you don't put the ones on the bottom, the ones on the top won't work, right? You build a house without a good foundation, everything's going to fall apart. And the foundation is this, love God. Live your life like you love God and he's unique. Love your neighbor because you love God. We're going to close in prayer. I think we got one more song. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would uh, pour your spirit on us today. Help us to um, help us to be faithful in living out a lifestyle of, of, of love for you and love for our neighbors. Help us to be obedient in, in how we follow you and how we interact with others. Um, just give us your grace to reset ourselves and reset our families. In Jesus' name, amen.